looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. This is Past the Post for Sunday, the 12th of March, as you'd expect. We had great racing yesterday, of course, the start of the autumn carnival in Sydney and, well, Melbourne's carnival's in full swing, swing with a Group 1 new market, but sadly, at the, the top of the show, like last week, we have to report that uh, two jockeys fell yesterday, Jamie Carr and Craig Williams, two very high-profile jockeys. That doesn't matter for anything how high or, or, or lack of profile they are, but um, as Ben Dorries joins me at the Past the Post desk, seven day, days ago we were talking about Ethan Brown. This morning we have to acknowledge uh, that the bad fall that, that Jamie and, and Craig were involved in in the size projects. Yeah, extraordinary seven days for racing, isn't it, David? The good news or the positive news is that initial scans have cleared Jamie Carr of any fractures or, or serious brain injury. Um, but, you know, she was in and out of consciousness for some time after that fall. So, and I think she's still sedated. So I'd imagine she faces a reasonable stint out of the saddle just with concussion protocols. Uh, Craig Williams has got a, a fractured clavicle. Uh, he was also concussed. Uh, he's got a few other injuries, might have a broken rib or two. So, look, uh, not good scenes, but hopefully a case of uh, these two are on the improve. So, look, dramatic stuff there. On a brighter note, just entertain me for a little 30 seconds here, old mate. Just wanted to wish a happy birthday to my beautiful little daughter, Emmy, who's listening to this show right now. Good I told morning, her I'd, I told her that you and I would say happy birthday to her. She's... The life of the party, the most effervescent little girl you'd ever want to find. So happy birthday, darling. I love you very much. How grown up is she today? She's six years old today, Six? David. Yep. Six she years is. old. Really? So thankfully, she's thrown to the mother. She's got the mother's looks. Big party? Uh, yeah, we're having a uh, festivities this afternoon down at the local park. So if this rain could stay away, it'd be tremendous. Good on you. Emmy, happy birthday from everyone listening here on Past the Post this morning. So, yes, um, we... We acknowledge what happened yesterday, a clipping of heels. I mean, a, a racing incident. Stewards, of course, have adjourned the inquiry. They spoke to, to several jockeys, and then they'll speak to Jamie and Craig when they get the opportunity. But uh, look, apart from that, and, and, and the more bitter pill or the more bitter twist of the whole situation was that Carr was to ride um, the, the winner of the new market. Yeah, in secret. And pretty uh, extraordinary stuff again, trying to find a, a, a rider to ride at that weight so quickly. Dean Holland, thankfully, um, you know, answered the call up. And he was just magnificent, not only in terms of how he handled the pressure of the occasion and rode the horse, but I'll read you what he said on Channel 7 afterwards. And, and I thought this was the moment of the day. He said, and I quote, it's unfortunate what happened to the other jockeys. My thoughts go out to them. The last thing I want to do is yahoo too much about me winning this race when Jamie should have been on to start with. So that's just all class, isn't it, from Dean Holland. There was no fanfare as he crossed the line. He hadn't won a Group 1, uh, I think, since 2006. So long run of outs. He had every right to go up in the irons and, and celebrate. But, uh, gee whiz, that's, that's a very, very classy statement. He's obviously a very good human being. We'll talk about the ride, we'll talk about the preparation, we'll talk about where in secret is headed with Vin Cox very shortly, of course, the Managing Director of Godolphin's Australian Operations. So a lot to get through over the next hour or so as we look back at all of the highlights from Flemington, of course, spearheaded by the new market. Uh, the, the start of the autumn carnival at Rose Hill Gardens with Espiona really uh, getting her reputation back where I suppose it should belong. She won the Coolmore Classic 
and we'll listen to a couple of the highlights from Eagle Farm. But let's go to the new market. As you'd expect, big field, handicap conditions, wide betting, but I wish I win. You ran a sensational race in the Lightning, was the $4.60 favourite. 500 metres to go, Snapper led from in second, Rock and Horse front page, in secrets only two off the lead, Private Eye back to the inside with Bella Nipatina, coming up the outskirts, the astrologist Marzu and I wish I win is the widest, plenty of hopes in secret, took the front 250 metres to go from front page, Private Eye, then I wish I win the outside, in secret the leader, 100 metres to go Lofty Strike is flashing down the outside, but it's the filly in secret holding on, in secret one the new market in secret from Lofty Strike and I Wish I Win. They were followed by Private Eye or Marzu from Buena Noche's The Astrologer's front page. Back behind them, Chain of Lightning, Rock and Horse, September Run. A Gap Bella Nipatina swats that Star Patrol baller and Snapper was one of the last. What a sensational filly she is. That was only her ninth race start yesterday. It was her sixth win. And down the straight, she's been there twice, two for two. Won the Kilmore Group 1 last year the, the uh, for the three-year-olds and, of course, the new market yesterday. Yeah, she's the queen of Flemington, or the Flemington straight, isn't she? Uh, that was superb and everything thrown in the mix with the, the late jockey alteration. Uh, it was just a magnificent moment for everyone involved. Well, it was a crazy few hours leading up to the new market with Jamie falling. Vin Cox now joins us at this point. Firstly, Vin, congratulations to to Godolphin on In Secret's win. We'll talk about that shortly, but as we've just been talking about, uh, a, a lot of um, dramatic moments within probably an hour or two uh, before the race with, with Jamie falling in the size produce. Yeah, good morning, David. Good morning, Ben. Yes, it was um, you know, quite, um, quite uh, dramatic, as you suggest, uh, and very unfortunate for both um, Jamie Carr and, and Craig Williams. Um, yeah, the, the biggest problem we had uh, was was finding a rider at 50, to, to ride at 51 and a half. There were uh, riders that weren't engaged in the new market, but but there aren't many that can get down to that weight. So um, yes, yeah, so we're, we're hoping that um, that Jamie and, and and Willow are back to the race course very very soon. Obviously, and um, it was just unfortunate for them. Such an unflappable effort from Dean Holland, wasn't it? I mean, gets the late call up, spends, you know, a, bit, a little bit of time going through videos with, with James and, and talking tactics and whatever. Um, but I, look, I don't know, what, you know if you heard what I said before we came on air, but afterwards he was magnificent as well, very much saying, look, my thoughts are with the fallen jockeys and, and you know, I just happen to be, you know, man on the spot. I don't want to yahoo and carry on. I, I thought his performance, you know, before the race, in the race and after the race was just simply yeah. magnificent. Oh, it's magnificent is the word. Uh, it's just, just very gracious uh, in, in, you know, we, 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 a, fate, a twist of fate that he ended up on the horse and, and unfortunate circumstances and, and great for him to, to have that win, but um, but he's fully cognizant of, of why he ended up in the saddle. And um, But he did just a magnificent job, just cool as you like. Um, uh, you know, I don't know him at all. And um, from what I understand, I was not the, at the races yesterday, but... Um, James would have schooled him pretty well leading in before he before he threw him on, and, and that's an important point to to discuss or, or, or speak about because all of a sudden you're riding for a premier stable on a leading chance in a Group One, and as you're well aware, Vin, the the operation there at Godolphin in terms of preparing horses for races, analysing races with speed maps and videos, and we know Dominic Byrne plays a very very important role in that operation. This young uh, gentleman's got to process a lot in a very short period of time. 
Oh, he does, and and um, and, and then, yeah, that's part part of James' success, no doubt, is that all this work that, that is going on in the background and analysing the races. It, each race, any horse that we start in any race, there's there's a lot of thought that's gone into it. We don't we don't put them in there. Uh, for a hit and hope, generally, I'm not saying we never do it, but but largely we're, we're there that we think we're a very legitimate chance and going to run a very good race. So um, we were quite confident um, about the new market. She, the in secret, was in the race very well, 51 and a half, and um, it's a handicap, and and that gave us that that opportunity to to be very competitive. So. Um, yeah, uh, James and, and, and Dom do a lot of work doing those speed maps and, and working out where every horse is going to be. And, and generally, they get it pretty right. Sometimes I wonder if it's, we can get we can overanalyze things and, and just let things play out. But um, but no doubt, uh, all that intel in the background um, that certainly helped um, in Secret Victory yesterday. What's the future for Ravine? Is there any chance at all she could, obviously we're think, thinking, you know, all going well, Animo will go overseas to Royal Ascot. Is there any chance that she could race overseas as well or, or will, will, you know, things be geared towards, you know, the, the, the spring and potentially an Everest? Um, probably not. We, we did talk about it earlier in the year um, that she might be a candidate to put on the plane. Um, we'll get to the TJ Smith unlikely she's only a three-year-old there's there's um lots of avenues we can go down and i heard chris wallace say yesterday um if you look after three-year-old fillies they'll look after you into the future after um zoo gotcha one so um fairly wise words from somebody who's had a lot of luck with some very very prominent mares she got into clear space probably a, a fair way out we, we know at flemington it's quite a unique racing situation where it's not essential but it's it's desirable to get cover yeah, that gap open like i know sometimes jockeys curse they they can't get a run but the run came for her probably earlier than maybe even what dean wanted that's why i, th I thought uh, the credit of the win or the merit of the win was she sustained that great turn of speed after really being left in front of a long way from home yeah i think um i think we all thought that that we might have got to the lead a bit early even even dean but um, but that, you know, when the, when the run presented, I guess he had to go. And um, in the background, seemingly, um, James and, and Sean Keogh, who were on course, had said to, to Dean, make sure you count to 10. And Sean, in, in his post-race in-house uh, uh, um, uh, voice recording, said, did you get to 10? He said, oh, I might have got to 8. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, we, we had a little bit of a chuckle around that um, uh, privately. But, um, yeah, so... Um, Look, she put them to the sword very quickly and she was very dominant and, uh, you know, she, she had it in a keeping for a long way from home. Is it, is it a legitimate statement to make that 1,200 metres is, A, her most effective distance and may be her outer limit because we've seen her go to that 1,400 twice in the Golden Rose and then in the surround and uh, she was very good, but she got beaten. Yeah, I, and what you hit on there is... is He's, he's, he's very right. Uh, the 1,400 at, at the elite level against the, the very, very good horses might be just a touch beyond her. Uh, you know, she can clearly get it, um, but, you know, against the, the proper ones, uh, might, she just finds another one. Now, what about next Saturday, Vin? Could be a massive day for you. You've got Cylinder, <laughs> the Golden Slipper well, favourite. Pericles, yeah. the Rose Guinea's favourite. Animo, of course, the George Ryder Stakes favourite. Uh, I know seven days is a long time in racing, but gee whiz, you've got some nice chances next Saturday. 
Yeah, well, I'm very much hoping you're going to make a nine o'clock booking for next next Sunday morning. <laughs> to have a conversation. We'll lock you in. <laughs> so yeah, look, it's a big day on Saturday. Um, it's a very exciting day. Big, big, big races that are very key for our organisation. Animo and Golden Mile will go in the George Ryder, um, where you know, Animo's back to his really brilliant best and probably possibly racing as well as he's ever raced. Uh, and certainly probably better, really. Um, we're very excited about the Golden Slipper. Uh, Cylinder's uh, current favourite, and he was very, very strong last week, and he's a two-year-old we've had a very high opinion of all the way through, and he's proving that um, in, the, in the order. Uh, we'll also start Barber. Uh, he'll have a little spin round tomorrow um, in a trial, and we'll probably start exploring the Brazen Bowfilly. Um, and then the, the two runs ran yesterday. I'm not, I doubt we'll run any of those. Uh, we'll have Andermatt in the Galaxy, um, and he's not without hope. He's a, he's a, he'll have a very light weight, and um, it's probably fortunate that Mickey D's got the booking because we might have looked for Dean um, if we didn't have uh, already didn't have that booking at this stage. But um, so we're, we're hopeful that he might run, and, and Pericles is sitting on top of the market, the Rose or Guinea. So it all looks very attractive sitting here this week, but we know what can happen on a, on a race course on a Saturday and um, we never go with any expectation. We, we, we always go hoping that it's going to pan out the way we want to pan out and we, we're, we're fully cognizant of the fact that it doesn't always work that way. Just take us behind the scenes with the decision to run Animo in the rider rather than the Randvid. It caught a, a few of the racing pundits by surprise. They they would have thought that the Randvid would have been the choice. What was the, what was the background to making that final decision? Uh, the, 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 the background to that was around having him cherry ripe for Royal Ascot over a mile. And um, just to keep, to quote James, to keep the speed in his legs, uh, going to the, to the George Ryder over 1,500 metres rather than stretching out to a mile and a quarter of the round bet. Uh, our intention at this stage is to go through the Queen Elizabeth the 2,000 metres. So rather than having two runs over the 2,000 metres, and um, I won't say, you know, just, yeah, it, 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 it's more of an extended gallop or, or race. So James just felt it might be better to keep that sharpness, have one run at the 2,000 metres. Then there's, a, I think, it's something like 10 weeks freshen up, <laughs> inverted commas, um, into, the, into the Queen Anne over a mile. Fair enough. Uh, interesting comments there. Just one final question before we go. I'm going back to In Secret. We know that TJ Smith is locked in. It's a great assignment for her, the, the first day of the championships. Uh, she would be a logical choice for Godolphin for the Everest, would she not? Uh, well, you know, she's obviously an, an elite sprinter. So um, it's a long way off and, and we tend not to make a decision on the Everest until we're hard up against the race. And um, But uh, she's He's well and truly on top of the list, no question. No doubt at all. Good on you, mate. Thanks. Uh, congratulations for yesterday. Thanks for this morning, and we hope to talk to you next week. And so am I. Don't worry about that. Too much of good luck, chum. Thanks, Vin. There is Vin Cox joining us this morning. So a lot to uh, to get through there, and uh, he's a man who provides a lot of information. Too. Good to the show. Yeah, a great man. And, look, we should probably point out as well, um, James Cummings we would obviously love to talk to, and James is good with his time with the media, but Sunday morning... Generally, uh, James goes to church. Uh, it's, you know, out of bounds generally. 
Um, it's not a day off by any means, but so that's why often you know we get Vin on, who's just terrific because he can also, I suppose, talk about the you know the, the race stuff, but also the bigger picture, Godolphin planning. So look, I think in the wash up, um, look, there was nothing with any excuses behind in secret. Lofty strike, obviously, was terrific. I wish I win. Um, you know, was was really good without uh, maybe the the handicap. You know, got to him. Well, that's what um, it, that's what it's all about—a yeah. handicap. Uh, you know, and I thought he performed admirably. Um, where he goes to will be interesting. I see with Lofty Strike, Craig knew it. Uh, he um, used the whip nine times before the uh, the hundred meters. What four times more? Bit of a fine here. Six K jumped out because, of course, being a Group One and uh, hit a guilty plea and his record. So they took a lot of things into consideration. And Juanus Notches, of course, the horse that Ben Thompson rode. It pulled up lame, but that was a very good new market. I mean, there's no bad new markets, but that was a particularly good new market. So uh, she's a very, very good filly. Yeah, absolutely. And even those horses right up the top of the weights. I mean, uh, Private Eye with 58 kilos mm. got beaten less than two lengths. Marzu uh, with 57 uh, kilos. I mean, they're they're obviously in for very good seasons and very good years. Those horses. Our next story revolves around Queensland. This uh, love affair that Scalopini has with Melbourne, particularly the Flemington 1,400 metres, extended again yesterday in the Group 3 Shaftesbury Avenue. Let's have a listen to the replay. Around the turn, 5.50 out at Savannah Cloud, bailing Scalopini. Then came Ayrton, and every possible chance presents three wide, two off the lead, not an option behind them. Followed by Visionari stoking into it. Life Lessons tanking up the middle, about four off the lead. And Just Folk needs an out. Savannah Cloud with Scalopini a neck away. Ayrton lets down about two lengths off them as Scalopini accelerated. At the 150, Scalopini full drive. About two lengths in front of Savannah Cloud and by a metric late but it's all Scalopini Scalopini won it well second goes to on the inside Savannah Cloud from Biometric Just Folk then Ayrton not today behind them not an option life lessons worse fault Visionari riddle me that Earlswood Daisy's Captain Envious and last of all our playboy it's worth pointing out uh, his CV he's a rising nine-year-old to begin with that was his 13th race win yesterday and his 41st start and his Flemington record is three goes at the 1,400 metres for three wins. There's no fluke about the wins. He draws widely. He goes forward with big weights. He races on speed, on strong speed, and regularly runs around the 122 mark. Well, what, a, what a story this is. He's the Benjamin Button of racehorses, isn't he? He's, he's almost getting younger. Uh, just incredible. I must admit, we'll talk to Matt Hoisted in a second. I, I thought he was in trouble after the first few hundred metres yesterday. It just took a while to get across and... It just had to do it the hard way. And I just sort of thought, at the end of 1,400, this is going to be interesting, but one with a poof in the air again. Matt's joining us now. Matt, as we say good morning and congratulations, I was trying to put into words what, what I'm trying to think, but you must be so proud of this horse. Yeah, I think that's a, that's pretty much the overriding emotion is just how, how proud he is. It's a, you know, it's a, a big credit to the whole team for... Yeah, just for his his whole longevity and still be to be racing, you know, be nice and sound, be racing this this well at, you know, eight rising nine, um, and you know, without doubt, just in absolute career best form, he just absolutely loves it down here, and I, I think that's just probably the the thing. He's an older horse, and just getting that that bit of a change of routine down here, something different, just really gets that that bit of spark about him, and and he just just absolutely loves it. So it's um. Yeah, you know, fantastic for the for the ownership group back when when we did buy him, and obviously it was two hundred thousand dollar yearling buy. It was the 
highest price at that time that, that sort of Jamie had, had paid for a yearling and, um, you know, very satisfying to see the career he's been able to have. And he hasn't been given anything easy, has he? I mean, two starts ago, um, 60 kilos, barrier 13, one. Uh, yesterday, barrier 60, uh, sorry, 60 kilos, barrier 14. Um, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he hasn't sort of been handed anything on the plate, has he? No, definitely not. And even you sort of said yesterday, he, you know, he didn't really get it on terms. He began really well, but there was obviously all that speed inside him that, that kicked up and made him made him work for that. You know, it was, you know, probably wasn't until the thousand he really was able to sort of come across and he was sort of working that whole time. But, geez, once he did come back, he sort of, if anything, half over-travelled as well. But coming to the turn, he just had a lap full of horse under him. But to be fair, he was probably a little bit surprised when he did kick, how strong he, he did kick. And just the splits that he was able to run was, um, yeah, just super impressive. And, and, yeah, just just really proud of him. He's done a fantastic effort and very much job done down here for him. I was going to bring that up about those sectionals because, as we, we saw, he had had to do his share of work to to ride the speed but between the 400 and the 200 he carved that out in 10.78 he's carrying 60 kilos yet he maintains that in an 11.58 run home so just in, in sparkling form you you've sort of mentioned something then is that the end, end of the road now with uh, with scalopini yeah i think it will be look he's it's probably just limited options for him now for where his rating's going to sit too for, for sort of real suitable races over 1,400. You know, wouldn't want to throw him in a race like the all-age. You know, we'd prefer to probably come home. I think if we just keep him in those, these preps, a little bit shorter preps with his, his races space, you know, really seems to seems to um, be happy and, you know, we can come back and have a you know, have the lure of a, of a Stradbroke and, and give him his chance. I think the, the big key probably that's that we've seen a difference in him is just his racing pattern that we've sort of, it was probably not really through design uh, in the soft back in the spring when he, he was able to obviously lead up there and he's just got a real affinity of being able to get out into a in, into a really nice rhythm and um, you know be bowling along and he can carve out these these you know decent splits and sustain that good strong gallop so uh, just added another sort of string to his bow and um, you know probably come home now and still have a have a bit of a bit of a talk to the ownership group but would would probably be thinking come home for even if it's a sort of two run prep uh, in the winter and um, yeah see how he goes there. I've always said, Matt, weather forecasting is the only job you can get wrong every single day and still have a job. Having said that, uh, the Sydney forecast for the week, 28 Wednesday, sunny, no rain, 33 Thursday, sunny, no rain, 30 Friday, sunny, no rain, 29 Saturday, sunny, no rain, uncommon James, here we come. Yeah, that's it. No, that was, uh, yeah, obviously the, was a pressure on when we did make that that call to to really commit to going to the Galaxy. you know, if, if anything was to change, but uh, yeah, the, the, the weather gods look to be shining upon us, and we've got good good weather, so um, it'll be nice and warm next week up there. So it should be a really good track, and yeah, look, couldn't be any happier with the way that he's bounced through that Oakley Plate. He was obviously only second up now, and I think if anything, that's only brought him brought him right on now. He, he looks absolutely a million dollars. Uh, he's sort of rock hard fit, and I think he's you know, he's probably for the first time this Premier League we've sort of got him at you know pretty well 100% right, and I think this is hopefully he can. He can back that up and, and have another sort of you know, peak performance run. Is this likely to be his grand final, or could he go on to the TJ depending on how he how he races Saturday? Yeah, definitely. We'll just see how how he does go, but uh, potentially will if he was to win and win really impressively, it's, it'd be hard to hard to not go to a race like the TJ. Um, you know, still very much small possibility, but still have obviously the lure of a quacker. Um, you know, getting obviously a heap of interest for him over there. Um, you know, that race, you know, you know, with a few 
few horses going by the wayside. You know, it's, it's looking like a may not have have a great amount of depth, um, and yeah, potentially. But he's obviously we've still got the TJ or even you know trying him in the all age. You know, he was obviously favourite for Rupert Clark. Would love to try him over fourteen hundred, but whether that's that sort of this prep or not, we'll just very much um, you know be guided by him. The old cliche and just see how he's coming through these runs. He obviously comes first. If he shows any sign that he's had enough, we'll just pull up and put him in the paddock. But um, yeah, at this stage, he's he's doing everything we ask of him, and um, yeah, we'll we'll sort of get through the galaxy and go from there. Well, that's one interesting comment you do make because I think when we spoke to you two weeks ago, you sort of ruled the quacker out, but now mm. it's not totally ruled out. Yeah, just so so hard. It sort of had had thought I would be probably better off trying a race like a TJ, but. Uh, yeah, there's just so many different factors involved with the, the, the lure of there with the, not only the prize money, but it's probably more just the, the quality of horse that may be, may be there. Um, you know, it's still, still not completely off the cards yet, but just how much that does take you out of them, obviously, to a six hour plane ride over there, but it would be able to have a really long break on the back of, back of that. So it's, um, yeah, very much just, just play by ear and we'll, we'll sort of get through this next run and, and see where he, uh, yeah, see see where he sits, and and um, you know the TJ is obviously going to be a really hot race, so he need to sort of be be winning and winning well in the Galaxy to probably be warranting taking on those better horses again at weight for age. So uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just get through there and then and reevaluate. And just one thing before you go, and just going back to Scalapini, I know this is happening late in life with him, but have you ever considered or contemplated he he might prefer the Melbourne way of going? Without a doubt, we actually said this. Obviously, Steve was down down here with him uh, first off in the spring, and mm. his first comment, he's, he's just so much more comfortable on his Melbourne league. Uh, even you sort of see him track work, he, he really does enjoy it down here and, and does seem seem sort of comfortable. He probably still struggled to touch around Caulfield, obviously, it's a bit of a different track, but, you know, obviously the big open spaces of Flemington, hence why he does, does really like it. And, you know, obviously you jump... You know, it's a, a short run at the 1400 into a big swooping bend uh, there, and, and just the fact that he's so comfortable on that on that lead means he you know, can can take that with ease. And um, yeah, definitely wouldn't be saying that if he was only to have a very much a short short you know two run preparation in the winter that he uh, you know potentially might not be back here again in the for a little cameo in the spring again. Yeah. When you ever feel a bit down or a bit dirty on yourself, just pull out a, a video. And watch Scalapini scoot up that Flemington straight. It's a sight to behold. <laughs> That's it. No, he's, a, he's an old marvel and uh, very much just like a, a fine red. Just keeps getting better with age. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning. We always appreciate it. No worries. There he is, Matt Hoisted. Joining us, of course, trains in partnership with Steve O'Day. And, and yeah, he made the point that he is better at the Melbourne way of going. And, and the other thing is, too, with this horse, you don't often see horses' racing patterns change late in life and they get better. Scalapini used to be a horse and he's been around a long time. He'd rely on luck. You didn't want him to get into traffic. He'd be a strong finisher flashing down the outside. There he is now. He highballs out on the speed and then dashes away with that big weight. Just a, I'm not saying rejuvenated, but just a, a horse whose his mojo has changed completely. You wonder how <clears throat> three starts ago he got beaten in the syndicate race on the Gold Coast when he started two dollars forty-five. He got beaten more than two lengths, so maybe there is something about that uh, him going uh, better in Melbourne. But one thing I, I do notice, um, yeah, we were at Eagle Farm yesterday, and after Scolopini won, uh, Steve O'Day was wandering around, and there were so many handshakes from jockeys, other trainers, even a steward, I think, at one point. So there's a genuine thrill, no matter who it is. Uh, when a Queensland trainer, Queensland horse or jockey, which we saw with Ben Thompson, goes down south and does well. It's really nice to see. And I think that's one of the, the, the good things about when I say small estate, 
I'm saying not New South Wales or Victoria, but when a horse can head into state, you know, it's not not, not easy to, to, to go away. You've got to try and find the right races. If there's costs involved and, and what, whatever. But when they can win, it gives the, 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 the local racing industry a real buzz and you've backed it up with, with what you saw there yesterday. Let's go to the Australian Cup prelude. Of course, the Australian Cup to be run in a fortnight's time. 400 to go and Vow and Declare took the front. There's a gap for Right You Are. Nobel Heights plugs on. Hugh tore down the middle of the course. It got tight for Yaffet. Couldn't get through. And Emissary right down the outside at the 250. Right You Are in front of Vow and Declare. Emissary late the outer. Right You Are at the 150. Vow and Declare a half away than Emissary. But Right You Are with 100 metres to go. Drawing clear and continues to build the picket fence. Right You Are the winner from Vow and Declare and Emissary. Then Young Verter, next Yaffet, who didn't have a lot of room in the straight. Behind those horses, Hugh Tor and then Regal Power, a gap Nobel Heights, Shawfire and Maracino knocked up. Yes, talk about building the picket fence, Matt spot on there, that's now five in a row and as Mark Hunter pointed out on radio yesterday morning, this was a different ball game to what he'd been winning against. Uh, they'd been small fields, soft wins, a much harder race yesterday and uh, he continued his, his uh, winning form. So he, they raised the bar and he was able to, to handle it. Yeah, I wish I'd have raised the bar with him. I left him out of my quaddie thinking it was a big leap up and I was happy to take him on as favourite. And uh, Mark Zara just gave him the beautiful ride just behind uh, the speed and, and obviously now earns the right to, to take on the Group 1 Australian Cup. Um, no reason he wouldn't be extremely competitive there. And... Uh, let's not forget Ethan Brown was the regular rider yeah. of this horse uh, as well, rode him uh, to all of his wins. So um, I think Mark Zara paid a bit of a tribute to Ethan Brown there, who is on the improve, we should mention. He, he was on social media yesterday, He's still in hospital, pretty banged up. But just wanted to thank everyone for the, the well wishes and support. So he is, uh, you know, not on the comeback trail, but certainly in the recovery and rehabilitation mode now. He's a six-year-old ride, you are, but he's only had the, the 20 starts and that was his ninth win yesterday. A lot of owners there. And one of those owners is a man I used to have a lot to do with a long time ago in my trotting days, Bill Hutchison, who, of course, was a great bookmaker and then took on the media and uh, Hutchie lives at the Gold Coast now. So if you're listening, mate, haven't seen you for a long time, congratulations. You've got a good one there with, with right you are. Let's continue our look back at Flemington yesterday on Newmarket Day. We'll go to the, the Matron Stakes, the fifth race of the day, Great front-running performance here. Ceraleo Miss at the 300 metres had a little kick by a length Barb Raider. Exolita coming down the middle. They were followed by Elusive Express El Patroness. Ceraleo Misses Brave at the 150. Two legs Exolita, Barb Raider, then a wall. Ceraleo Miss in front. She'd run through a brick wall. Ceraleo Miss trots in, one at three legs. Second Exolita, Barb Raider, followed by El Patroness. So you see, behind them, inspirational girl. Elusive Express, Forbidden City, no secret. And Pharaoh's reign was last. That was her eighth race with the 23rd start. She's prepared by Simon Wilde, Ben, Mel ben Mellum in the saddle. I think this is the way she races most effectively. Let her jump and run and that's exactly what she did. There was no let up. They break 35, 134.9 and uh, she clearly outpointed them. Oh, she did and you know, so many people including Mark Hunter who I heard yesterday morning, um, you know, with his tipping, said, you know, Barb Brader and so you see, couldn't see anything else winning outside of those. And, and I must admit, I think a lot of people felt the same way. Actually, leader was supported, but Cyril Miss, you know, just uh, kept on <laughs> keeping on and won by almost four lengths, if you don't mind. I mean, that's actually a thumping win, isn't it? It was. It was clearly dominant. Let's go to the size produce. We've mentioned the fall, but let's talk, we'll listen to the replay first and then we'll talk about the winner. 
400 metres to go. Sassy Boom Alsonso move up and take the lead with Amur. VH trying to extricate off their back. About to do that from Fists of Fury. It's Amur on the outside taking the lead. V8 gets out. And Apulia down the outside. V8 lets down. 100 metres to go. Takes the lead. Surges clear. Two legs of Apulia. V8. What a nice winner. V8 wins from Apulia. Amur. Fists of Fury. Tom Kitten in fifth place. They were followed next in the field by Freak of Nature. And then came Ganbari Sonzo, the spirit of zero. Well back, Portarosa, Sassy Boom, and two riderless horses coming down the straight. Yes, V8. Good to see the Italian Calvin McAvoy colours involved there. And he debuted, he won a race at Packenham in early February. And uh, so yesterday was, what, six weeks between runs. They'd given him a trial or a jump out, but he was dominant. just darted away from them. He goes to Sydney now. Big call here. He might be... Uh just about the most progressive-looking horse in Australia. I mean, to go from a, can I say shit pot? Shit pot race at Packenham on a Thursday night. You've crossed a lot. Have there. I? Well, it was. Oh, it was just a, from decency. It was know. a pretty ordinary race. Well, what else can I say? Ordinary race? Terrible keep, race? Keep going. <laughs> a very ordinary race on a Thursday night at Packenham. Mm. To come to town and do that at your second start, uh, wow, we, he's just got such a big stride. He just looks the real deal, just watching him... Um, you know, in the race, he put his opposition away, you know, pretty, um, pretty easily. So look, you know, put his hand up as a real contender for the Group One size produce in Sydney next month. Um, so look, as much as that race was marred by that awful fall, I think there's a pretty darn good horse. I won't say that word on air, David. I probably shouldn't have said that. And Do you think uh, we'll get any complaints? No, no, I doubt it. Okay. Um, the the boss is on away overseas. Yeah, he won't be Unless listening he's in. listening in, which I doubt. Hey, uh, and congratulations too to, to Dan Fletcher and Telemon Stud. They're part owners of V8, of course, Queensland-based Telemon Stud. Let's go to our final replay, and this is the CUNY for the three-year-old fillies. Four abreast around the bend. Revolutionary misses behind a wall. They were followed by Amati. Wallenby down the centre. Shuffle Dancer with about three to pick up. Then Eternal Flame. A few hopes. Papillon Club at the 300 metres led from Nunthorpe. Shuffle Dancer the outside. Revolutionary miss getting off heels. Crashed into Razita. Papillon Club at the 200 in front of Nunthorpe. Revolutionary misses out now. Revolutionary miss coming out after Papillon Club. Papillon Club joined by Revolutionary miss who got up. Revolutionary misses nailed Papillon Club and third Nunthorpe, followed by Shuffle Dancer Moya Lass, Eternal Flame Wallenby. Next to complete the course, Razita in company with Terra Star, who got tired and Amati was last. Revolutionary miss. That was only her second race win, but she's generally been at the, in at the deep end. And Mark Zara gave her a, a perfect trip. There was a needle eye gap. He forced the gap in the end. He, he copped a weak suspension out of that, but. Peter and Paul Snowden training, and um, she's got the job done with black type against her name. Yeah, she hadn't won for 13 months, but she'd sort of generally been there or thereabouts. Find, found her right race yesterday. Something we should also make mention of, just a quirky one I, I noticed on social media last night, Meridius, the last race winner, trained by Lloyd Kennywell, won really well. Um, go and have a look at Lloyd Kennywell's Twitter feed. The, this horse ended up uh, back in the box, and there was a massive uh, snake yeah. tiger snake found in the box and he said basically quick action to get the horse out of the way and to get the snake catcher in because uh it could have ended dreadfully for uh meridius so all's well that ends well we don't like snakes in these parts do we I no, hate snakes. Not. leave me out of spiders as well <laughs> written by mark zara that was flemington newmarket day yesterday of course next saturday all-star mile day at the valley 
and then the Australian Cup at Flemington in two weeks' time. This is past the post, brought to Archer Park Racing. Let's press on. And now go to Rosehill Gardens yesterday was the start of the Sydney's Autumn Carnival. The feature was the Kilmore Classic at Group 1 level. It was a wide betting race. The Victorian visitor, Anna Visto, was the favourite at five bucks. Pride of Jenny with a good lead into the straight. Anna Visto's gone. Pride of Jenny got four lengths in front from Expat. Espiona up the inside, yearning up the inside. On the outside, it's She's a Belter starting to cut loose. Pride of Jenny's all out, and She's a Belter is building home, and here's Espiona going up the inside. Espiona the fence from Pride of Jenny and She's a Belter. Three of the minute now. Espiona, She's a Belter, Pride of Jenny. Espiona wins the group one. Espiona a nose on the line to Pride of Jenny, who was gay in defeat. Uh, she's about a third. They gap the rest, yearning together with Mirror Vision, Hope in Your Heart, Mustang Valley, Hinge making some headway, followed by More Profits, Ruthless Dame, Torrigine, Purple Pay from uh, Expat, and Anna Vesto's pulled up very, very short. Espiana is a Group 1 winner for trainer Chris Waller. Mickey D, what race doesn't he win? Of course, the Blue Diamond last year, the Derby, and and also the Caulfield Cup. Incidentally, both of those last year for the Chris Wallace stable, so they're forming a great association. And the colours we know so well, Denise Martin, star thoroughbred colours, and Denise has been kind enough to join us post-Espiona's win. Denise, good morning, congratulations. Oh, look, thank you very much. It's, um, uh, it's a relief, I think, for all of us in some ways because we all believed she could do it, and fortunately she finally did. It's amazing. When she started her career, uh, she had so much, uh, a big boom on her. And uh, what do you think happened? I'm um, uh, not saying she, f she fell off the wagon, but she probably didn't realise that early expectation that many had of her. Look, I think, David, in, in hindsight, maybe the win at Flemington was a really soft win in what turned out not to be a strong race. Mm. But nevertheless... She won it by a big space and, you know, when, when um, horses early in their race career can win a race by that margin, you know, obviously there's some talent there. How significant you don't know until you work them through the grades. But, you know, of course the, the um, you know, entire racing industry more or less took off and there were bizarre notions of not only the next Winks, but, you know, the greatest horse, you know, seen <laughs> and all of those, you know, odd notions. And... I think initially we felt she would get to a really good level. You don't know until you try them. I mean, when she returned after that win in uh, February of last year, she ran in the Light Fingers, and it was quite an amazing race. She uh, uh, she was left exposed quite early in the straight, and she was in front for a long way. And Fangirl just nabbed her right on the line, literally short half-head margin. And there was a very um, famous photograph that I've kept a copy of with James McDonald looking across at Hugh Bowman on Fangirl. Hugh looked like um, the entrance to Luna Park. He was smiling so broadly. <laughs> and James looked positively devastated. And I said to Hugh, have you seen this photograph? And he said, yes. I said, it's really amazing. And he said to me, Maybe I said something, and I said, I bet you did. <laughs> and so she was, you know, she was collared on the line by what we now know to be one of the best mayors in the country in Fangirl. Mm. After that, she went to the surround, and she was beaten just over length by Hinged and Star Tontes, of course, the really top-quality Queensland mayor. So the first two starts back last year were pretty good. Then she went to the Coolmore and was really disappointing. You know, she ran back at the field, 
finally coming out to win the James Cars. So she finished that very short prep of only four races with a win in a Group 3, second in a Group 2 by you know almost centimetres and third in a Group 1. It wasn't a poor preparation, just not perhaps as dominant as you know, some of the, the media people might have thought, and other you know, race fans might have thought would be. It was really in the, um, I guess, in the spring that we thought she was really disappointing in the gold pendant um, and then the invitation and obviously the Scirocco. But I think it was a masterstroke by Chris to take her back to Melbourne. I know he felt that, you know, the world was tugging on his coat, you know, tail to say, take her to Melbourne, take her to Melbourne. And she had that confidence-boosting win few weeks ago in the mannerism and fortunately the genius of Chris Waller and Michael D with a wonderful ride 51 kilos all came together and we got that group one win yesterday. Denise you mentioned Michael D there the, the, the ride won the race didn't it I mean we saw she's a belter coming down the outside via the cape and, and Michael D was just as cool as a cucumber picking a run near the inside and only got up by a short margin it was a fabulous ride. Oh, it was outstanding. Um, I, I saw Chris said in the media yesterday, he's the new Glen boss. He just takes instructions on board. Uh, he works things out very well. I saw there, there was a, a story written last Monday after he won the Blue Diamond to say he's looking at trying to buy a helicopter before he upgrades his house or a car. When I spoke to him last night, I said the word out, is that you won't be contacted by a helicopter manufacturer. Boeing are going to be in touch with you any time. <laughs> You'll be buying a light plane, you know. <laughs> so he's um, he's one of those riders that I think is appealing for everybody, um, trainers, connections, everybody, because he, he works things out very well. He's got a great head on his shoulders. He's very well measured, you know, a very well measured sort of person, very balanced. And... You know, a lot of riders understandably become greater than perhaps their standing in the industry before that time because, you know, they see their name in lights and all of those things. This young man has won a Caulfield Cup, the Diamond, Derby, the RC Derby, the Group 1 Coolmore yesterday in four months, and he just takes it in his stride. So I'm a huge fan. I think he's a great rider. Where to now for Espiona? Um, David, probably the Queen of the Turf. Um, Chris said last night he hadn't, you know, felt that he before yesterday he would go on to the Doncaster, and I said, well, that suits me just fine. Uh, we won that some years ago with Fox Clay, uh, and you know, were she to finish this preparation, whenever that might be, with you know a Group Three Flemington, a Group One at Rose Hill, and then another Group One at Randwick, we'd be very elated. But, you know, for now, we've ticked the box that we all wanted to. Uh, we know that, you know, she wasn't a punter's friend before yesterday. They saw her form as being very mixed. And fortunately, with great placement, great trainer, just a genius trainer, and a masterful ride, we, you know, we um, we got what we were looking for yesterday. So I'd say in three weeks' time at Randwick, Queen of the Turf. It's good to talk to you again. Just by listening to you this morning, you're still loving your racing, aren't you? Oh, yes. Well, you know, Star's my child. <laughs> um, when I established Star David 30 years ago, um, you know, I was mindful of the fact that I'd come from outside the industry and I didn't know if, you know, I would be successful. But until you try, you don't know. Um, you know, Gay was wonderful. We had a fantastic association for 21 years. And this is now my 10th year with Chris. And he's just extraordinary. You know, I knew at the time when I transferred my business to Rose Hill that, you know, he would be the new force in racing. And he is. So 
you know, we've got a really strong association. We have a big team of horses with Chris and, you know, having the stable in Queensland, um, you know, with Lofty, with Brett Killian and with Joe Taylor in Melbourne just gives us that added benefit. And, yes, you, you, you create something and you love it or you don't do it. Thanks for being with us this morning and continued success. Thanks, David, and thanks, Ben. There she is, Denise Martin, good person and a good friend as well. We better push on because time is starting to get against us. We're going to get concentrate on the two-year-olds now. This was the last round before the slipper next Saturday. We'll go to the Magic Night and Steel City, drawn barrier one, was a $3 favourite. The favourite Steel City holds the front untouchable legend. Got to a clear second now. In advance of Shine Your Light and Remedies. Further back to Fire Lane on the outside of Tequis and Tutta. Further back then to Hellbent on You. Deeper out is Camilla from Bianco Nero. Blanc to Blanc, pretty row. August Bloom as they straighten up. Steel City being nursed in the lead by two and untouchable legend. Followed by Shine Your Light. Remedies running on. And a gap back to the rest. But Steel City going boldly inside the 250. From untouchable legend. Then Remedies, Blanc de Blanc making steady headway now and then came August Bloom, but Steel City's getting stronger. And the filly ripping away for a big win in the Magic Night. Steel City trounces them, Blanc de Blanc second. August Bloom got up for third in front of Remedies. Then Shine Your Light, Hellbent on You, Untouchable Legend. Tequis and Tutsa was next, followed in by Bianco Nero. Then came Pretty Rower and a gap back to Camilla and Fire Lane. There was no bad luck yesterday. It was straight to the front and never headed. Time was good. She's now $8 for the Golden Slipper. I thought she made a good impression winning that race yesterday. Jared Magnabosco is one of the owners and he's been kind enough to join us. Jared, good morning. Congratulations. Thanks for having me on, guys. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, she finally got the monkey off the back yesterday, which was good. And, uh, yeah, we, we get our uh, spot in, a, in the Golden Slipper, the richest two-year-old race in Australasia. So, yeah, we can't be more excited. I said there was a bit to like about the win, and I think one factor that I didn't mention was the time. She ran 1.10.08. That was a, a half-second faster than what they ran in the Pago Pago. Yeah, she ran some, some pretty good sectionals early, and um, obviously uh, we, we probably thought there was going to be a bit more speed. Um, we didn't expect her to get handed uh, the lead that easy. Um, so Regan uh, obviously um, rated her really well and, um, yeah, we, we come away and, and won pretty well in, in good time. So, um, yeah, lots to like about the win. Jared, you run <clears throat> best bloodstock. Uh, your, your colours are on show there with uh, Steel City, also horses like Tijuana. We might remember, Queenslanders might remember Sacred Oath as well, who uh, obviously was part-owned by the great Shane Warne who, who raced up here. Now, the people you've got in this horse... Are there many Queenslanders? We don't have a Queensland horse to cheer for in the Golden Slipper. You're based in Queensland. You've syndicated this horse. Can we call Steel City a Queenslander, do you reckon? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm based in Queensland, mate. So, yeah, if, uh, if the Queenslanders are looking for a horse to follow with in the Golden Slipper, yeah, definitely jump on the Steel City bandwagon. <laughs> and the seven days um, is probably not ideal, but did the Kieran Maher and Dave Eusis give you the idea uh, that it shouldn't be a problem for this filly, the seven-day backup? Uh Obviously, you know, the, the trainers take um, the due diligence pretty carefully and um, they, they don't make decisions, you know, on the day. But she's this morning I've heard that she's pulled up well and, um, yeah, onwards and upwards to the slipper. So, um, look, she's she's fully fit. So I think she, she can handle the backup. Um, and obviously, you know, she's she's only had the four runs. We probably put a line through as track work. So, um, yeah, I think, I think she'll be able to handle the, the seven-day turnaround for sure. Did you go to Sandown for the Blue Diamond? Yeah, it was a pretty disappointing day on track, mate. So 
it was good. I, I flew in and out yesterday down in Sydney, and um, yeah, it was good to come away with a win after you know the disappointment last week. And um, obviously now I head back to Sydney next week. I was actually going to be at Doomben because I've got Beast Mode in the uh, mm. in the cutest jewel, so um, I'll be watching him as well from afar. <laughs> And it's been a, a funny old prep for Steel City, hasn't it? I remember you trying to get her and the trainers trying to get her in that um, debut race, uh, you know, the rich debut race on Magic Millions Day. Uh, I think you missed out by one, you know, you might have been first first emergency or second or something. You narrowly missed out there, but then obviously went to Sydney, got beaten by Red, red Resistance and then learning to fly. Yep. So you haven't been that far off. Uh, you know, that, those two horses I mentioned there, Red Resistance and Learning to Fly, they're very high up in slipper markets and you've run, uh, you know, half a length behind both of them. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, looking back now in hindsight, it might be a bit of a blessing that we missed that debut race. Um, you know, the, the prize money wouldn't have counted and, and I'm not sure if she would have gone on to, to race in the same races on the way through. So, um, you know, we've we've definitely got the form behind Red Resistance and Learning to Fly and it was good to see those two come out of the wounds against us and, and go on to win again. Um, and obviously there was big gaps back the third in both those runs. So, um, you know, we've, we've lost now to, to two good horses with a big gap back to third. And then yesterday, obviously, we, we put a big gap back to second. So, um, yeah, I think we're well and truly a top three chance in the slipper next week. Good luck, mate. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you next Sunday as well. <laughs> that would be great. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. Jared Magda Bosco from Best Bloodstock with Steel City and um, a very good win. Yeah, and uh, the barrier helped, I guess. Barrier one uh, was able to sort of dominate and control up on speed. Blanc de Blanc, I think, has got a nice future. The barrier crueled it. Barrier 11 was way back in the rack. Uh, it made really, really nice ground laid, admittedly beaten two and a half lengths, but I think that horse has got a nice future. Won't be in the Golden Slipper, obviously, but might be one to follow for the future. Just going back to V8, we've had a listener write in to say that uh, that race you described as an S-pot race at Pakenham, V8 won it. The horse that ran second ran second to the size yesterday as well, so there was a Quinella out of that race. So maybe you'll have to reassess your what's thoughts. Your, what's your point? Well, the, it wasn't a... Well, it was a Thursday night race at Packham. But that doesn't mean it was a bad race. <laughs> You've got that wrong. Now, look, let, let's... Now, uh, producer, can we go to race two? Uh, he's, he's awake to it, so he made a mistake on the sheet, but he knew that. Let's go to the uh, Pago Pago. So introducing Leach coming around the turn from Zulfikar and base is loaded when Restrained has been very keen in the run. Mahaba back on the inside, fourth Gusto Sissimo trying to pull out. Shinzo letting down with a lot of authority today. Introducing at the 250 shows the way, starting to wander. Shinzo moves up the outside, Mahaba the inside, then base is loaded. It's Shinzo moving up to take the lead. Shinzo gets the upper hand from Mahaba and introducing. Oh, much sharper today, Shinzo. And off to the slipper. Shinzo went on to beat Mahaba. Battle for third there between the stablemates. Introducing and bases loaded. Not sure. Further back to Godzilla making late headway from Gusto Sissimo, then Zulfikar, and a gap back to Bolden Blazon from Adana and Limburg. Well, he's thirteen dollars now in the Golden Slipper by Stitzland of Sama Reddy. She was a Blue Diamond winner. She went to Moy Stakes as well, but obviously ridden cold yesterday. Uh, those a change of tactics uh, paid. Strong dividends. Yeah, arguably the most intriguing runner in the slipper because we don't see Chris Waller have many two-year-olds up and about for a golden slipper, do we? And the Coolmore connection, obviously, as well. So uh, can he win a slipper? Not sure. Uh, but Chris Waller thinks he can because he's backing him up. So we should never doubt Chris, should we? Exactly right. And speaking of Chris, of course, he prepared Zoo Gotcha with J-Mac in the saddle to win the far lap and protagonist 
one of the uh, overseas visitors, uh, William Haggis, uh, preparing it. And again, McDonald in the saddle was able to win the uh, one of the other features of the day, the Sky High Stakes. We'll take a short break here on Pass the Post. Back to listen to a couple of highlights at Eagle Farm. You're listening to Radio Tab's Pass the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Archer Park Racing present Pass the Post. Archerparkracing.com.au. Go to the website. There's shares available in a spirit of boom placement called the Tony Gollum picked up at the English sale in Melbourne. And it's for the ladies only, which makes it then eligible for the big English pink bonuses. So go to the website, a lot of information there on that Spirit of Boom cult. Eagle Farm yesterday, we had, uh, well, we survived the rain. The rain only arrived late in the day. Let's go to our first highlight. And Manhood was resuming from a spell. He had been gelded and he was a well-backed favourite. In fact, we're going to race five first, are we? What we... Into the straight, 400 left to run. Boom spent ahead of my manhood. Milrosa diving back to the inside. Enterprise Palmer being called upon. Where's Fast Cody? Still a mile back. Hot Spring Gold running on fairly well. Manhood 1-2 with the Shaloli in front. Enterprise Palmer's trying hard but hasn't got manhood as yet. But knuckling down now. But still manhood the leader. He's got a kick. It's a good one. He's holding Enterprise Pom safely at bay. Then Fast Cody but manhood got the money. Manhood first up too good. Beat home Enterprise Pom Fast Cody. And Mil Rosa, then Hot Spring Gold, Classy JB, Boom Spender, Faistos and Mayaki last home. Yes, Manhood, Jack Guthman Chester riding for Annabelle Nisham. I was against him yesterday. I wanted to see him do something first. He's disappointed me in the past, but uh, he was good yesterday because he raced up on speed. He rode the speed. They were, in, well, they were entitled to run him down. They could run him down, but they couldn't. Yeah, and of course, Manhood's lost his manhood. Yeah. Uh, and I've got to say, the gelding procedures improved me in life, and I reckon it's improved... Uh, this horse, uh, he, I think he regained the trust of punters yesterday. He wasn't a punters bell, this horse. We didn't quite know what to make of him. Uh, but the gelding, I know maybe, um, who knows what sort of a race it was at this time of year. Stay in a price. Pom's obviously a good horse, but uh, I reckon there's more wins, nice wins in store for Manhood going forward. I describe that as a fairly strong classic. You're right, Enterprise Pom's above average. And so is Fast Coney, and, and he was a fairly battling third. Let's go to the sprint race five. Tabby's lad trying to force a run of the straight. Not quite enough room. Two smoking barrels comes through. Oh, they're all flat to the boards. And Scarlet Tufty ran to the lead. Tabby's lad is out now and giving game chase. Scarlet Tufty in front. Tabby's lad on the outside. Go below boxing away. Scarlet Tufty, he's run his race. And Tabby's lad raced up, roared away. Too strong at the 2,400 metres. Tabby's lad too good. Beat Scarlet Tufty. Third over the line. Go below. Pretty good run after being three wide all the way. Then contribute. Two smoking barrels. Well, in at every possible hope. Then let's talk a deal. Chocolatier, Bernie's Tiger, Hostage of War and Salago was last throughout. The producer has finished the show in a blaze of glory today. He's lucky, though, because we haven't got any time to talk about him, so that will wait for another week. But uh, that was Tappy's Lab winning the long-distance race. Uh, a horse who uh, was a bit out of form, but he, he bounced back at Dooman, and then he's, he's backed up to win again yesterday for the, the Taplin family, who... Haven't been here long, of course, from New Zealand at the Sunshine Coast, and they've got a good stayer in Tappy's Lane. Yeah, absolutely nice. Um, returned to riding in recent weeks too from Mark Duplessis. We should also make special mention of Angela Jones, a treble yesterday, went past the 50 winners for the season. Uh, Kyle Wilson-Taylor uh, won a race as well. I spoke to uh, Kyle on the way out, so it's four winners, you know, three for Ange and one for him. He said 
All goes into the same bank account, brother. <laughs> he said, <laughs> whether she wins or I wins, it's it's good news for food on the table. So away we go. And for those owners of Rubiquitous who are hanging by the uh, on the edge of their seat waiting for the replay, just ring 3360 1060. Exit any day of Tuesday and ask for Dale Slaughter. He'll help you out with that replay <laughs> of Rubiquitous, which you didn't hear this morning. The show is over. I'm going to Adelaide. Join you from there tomorrow with a big Adelaide Cup preview. Ben, you've got a day off tomorrow. Speak to you next Sunday. See you, mate. Uh, safe travels to Adelaide. Thanks, and, uh, and thanks for your company, folks. Have a good day. Bye-bye.